Hello, welcome back to Sextras. Where we talk about sex and all the extras. I'm Honey. And I'm Maria. And welcome back to our Pleasure and Desire mini-series. We've got so many good guests in this mini-series. I know, so many good episodes, so much shit that we're, like, learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this episode we're joined by Dr. Amir Marashi Avail. He's a gynecologist and he created the first ever physician-backed anatomically aligned vibrator which is cool. It's like kind of crazy that that hasn't happened already. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's innovating the industry. He's also a labia consultant. We learned so much about the clitoris. We talked a lot about that. Yeah. We talked about uh, the reasons for the pleasure gap, a lot about like female anatomy and how to use that to improve female pleasure and to close that gap. So it's a great episode to, you know, like learn a lot about yourself and a lot about like the capabilities and yeah, just shit that we should all know. Yeah, and obviously he's a practicing physician. Mm -hmm. So he knows a lot of like the actual medical background to all of these things like we we talk about a lot of the social issues in terms of like the pleasure gap and obviously we like complain about (laughs) that a lot but it's really good to hear like from a medical background like yeah this is why this is happening and like maybe it's like partly to do with not knowing the anatomy and partly not to do with like how much we talk about it and stuff so yeah it was really helpful and we hope you guys enjoy the episode yeah. and definitely join our patreon if you want to watch i mean i'm sure we'll have clips of it but this is really worth watching because he pulls out a lot of like props and like uh what are they called like a 3d diagram like yeah like models of <laughs> like models yeah vulva. so you can see like how everything he's explaining to do with the clitoris and anatomy works in real time it was really really a fun phone call to be on (laughs) you guys can see our reactions over on our patreon plus there's also like loads of other benefits you get a free sticker you get planning voice memos we'll do bonus episodes yeah as well as more of like a two-way street of like what you want to hear and yeah we definitely want to feel more involved with our listeners so that's a great place to go if you want to be more involved too it's just three pounds fifty a month as well so very very minimal effort but yeah yeah, a massive thank you to dr amir marashi for joining we hope you guys really enjoyed the episode yeah let's get into it okay thank you so much for joining us um, could you start by telling us a little bit about your current job role, who you are, what you do, what that involves? Well, thank you so much for having me and good afternoon to you. Uh, I guess good morning to, uh, good evening to you guys, right? Evening. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a physician. I'm a cosmetic gynecologist right now. I'm running uh, multiple practices, uh, basically and teaching cosmetic gynecology to other doctors, trying to make labioplasties, vaginoplasties, all of those much safer and kind of changing the game that's been done for a very long time without too much attention to it. At the same time, you know, as I was doing these, uh, I started learning female anatomy a lot more than was taught to us in medical school or anywhere else. So we started a line of uh, female pleasure, uh, which is called Sere, as like ceremony of self. So those are all uh, toys and gels and everything that's anatomic and really goes with the physiology of your body. So I'm uh, the founder and CEO of that company as well. Okay, great. And how did you, you said that you started like learning more about female anatomy what kind of got you interested in that area right so i my background is like uh, i come from iran so i grew up in iran i went to medical school back in iran and i started things very early since i was four years old i was following my father in the operating room back there and i kind of saw the culture and everything that was happening. In in med school, I started super early. I was 15, 16 years old when I went to med school. 
and uh, back then women were prosecuted for not being virgins on day of you know getting married sometimes the family of the husband would take them to basically get tested to make sure they are a virgin and all of those so that kind of got me into that field i started learning how to repair hymens and uh, believe it or not just people said well you are lying to guys i'm like well guys are lying to women you know they want to do whatever they want to do and then when they want to get married they want to be with somebody who's never seen the light of the day so they deserve to be lied to and i really didn't do it for that reason i did it because i mean these women could have gotten killed on the night of their wedding and it's not just you know sometimes they were with their boyfriend so the boyfriend already had sex with them he knows that they are not a virgin but the boyfriend's mother the fiance's mother the day before getting married is like okay i gotta take you to the doctor to check you to make sure my son is getting married to the right person. So it, it was super, super unfortunate. So, but that's when I got uh, basically uh, my head start to do uh, surgeries and vaginas, hymen, intricate surgeries, because you want to fix this the way that a gynecologist doesn't realize that this is done. So it wasn't just putting a couple of stitches. So that was the beginning. And then, of course, in the U.S., uh, I started doing a lot of nonprofit work helping female genital, uh, female genital mutilation victims. Uh, so these people are, I mean, they've gone through so much at the age of five, six. They cut their clitoris and, you know, they are scarred for the rest of their lives. Uh, they turn them into a baby-making factory. But at the end of the day, it's not just that. Now, they are scarred, they go through therapy, whatever happens, they have like five, six kids, they don't ever enjoy sex. That's the problem. And that's, I, I think that's a sin, you know, because the, the man is enjoying the sex and you are not enjoying the sex and he just does whatever he wants to do. So I started working on them and that really got me into anatomy of clitoris. As you know, we don't really teach clitoral anatomy, at least for the past hundred years, it wasn't being taught in medical schools, which is very sad. In, in anatomy books, it was completely censored since Mr. Freud, Dr. Freud came out and said, you know what, any orgasms that happen from clitoris, it's an immature orgasm. And the only mature orgasms are the ones that happening with penetration. So a penis has to be involved. And so basically more power to men and less power to women. So if the man can't make you come and you're masturbating, it means that you're getting immature orgasms. So Gray's anatomy completely eliminated anatomy of clitoris from it. And to us, when we went to medical school, oh, what's the clitoris? Clitoris is a small prominence, a pea-sized prominence that is located where the two labias meet on top. But that's not the thing. Clitoris goes a lot deeper. Clitoris is a much bigger organ. And as you see, one of the toys that I designed, it actually, it's a tribute to anatomy of clitoris. So this is the only thing that we see from outside. This mm -hmm. is really the glance of the clitoris. And that's all, I mean, these idiots that do female genital mutilation and cutting, they basically cut this part and put a couple of stitches. They don't know there's so much deeper. Clitoris is almost as big as a penis, you know? You're just packing it inside. And when it gets engorged, you know, the entire area gets engorged, the woman gets a lot more sensation and feeling. There's a huge nerve, dorsal clitoral nerve there that has over 10,000, you know, nerve branches. It's, it, it, this is huge. And, you know, for men... Erectile dysfunction has been the biggest deal. Viagra didn't take that long to get approved, you know? But, I mean, I, I feel like COVID vaccine took longer than Viagra to get approved. It's such a sad thing, you know? And, and because, because erections are an emergency, you know that. So uh, it, it is super, super unfortunate. And I, I thought that I could be the voice here because... Honestly, when I left Iran, when I came from there, I thought that, oh, I left that culture and everything behind me and it doesn't exist here. 
I actually, mm-hmm. I lived in England for a while. I was in Sheffield and then I came to US. And funny thing is that I always thought, I'm mean, like my sister, my dad dealt with my sister differently than he dealt with me. Oh, she has to be home at like 5 p.m. She has to, she can't have a boyfriend. She can't this, she can't do that. So I always, I'm like back in Iran. I'm like, oh, God is a man. God is a man. But I came to U.S. and England. I didn't think that's the same. But I'm like, you know what? It's a little different. Yes, you don't have to put a headscarf on, but they will make you do other things and they would give privileges to men that they don't give to women. I mean, recently things are changing, but it's very unfortunate how they have that kind of bias towards, you know, men and women, even in jobs, Mm -hmm. even like presidents, uh, whatever, CEO of companies. Yes, we have more and more women right now, and I'm very happy for that. And I hope there's going to be a day that we have more women in charge because, you know, as much as women are emotional, when they want to decide about big things, they actually are very rational. Men think very differently, maybe business-minded, this, that, but men is kind of like, you know, the erections. As soon as the man got in, and he came, okay, great. I'm not going to even put your clothes back on and I'm not going to help you out. I'm going to sleep. doesn't matter if you came or you didn't come. So that is the big difference. But a woman wants to sacrifice. She's in pain. Okay, let me make sure I satisfy him. Let me make sure he actually ejaculates. Let me actually, to boost his ego and make his head even bigger than what it is, act an orgasm. You know, let me fake it. And that's a mistake. Women shouldn't be, shouldn't have been doing that for many, many years, but they did. So when I came from Iran, I thought that, I mean, I thought I left that behind, but it it exists here and it's even bigger here. Back there is like very black and white. Mm. You know what? I see your hair. I'm going to beat you up and I'm going to like literally put you in jail or I kill you like this girl that they recently killed and all these people is Mm. black and white. Here, no. You know what? If you don't do, if you don't play by the book or don't do things that we want, we're going to let you think you're doing it. But then they they are going to do something to you that you wouldn't even know that happened. And that's why they kept women behind for so many years. And in orgasms, it's super, super important because, you know what? One orgasm is much better than being in the gym for you know, 10 hours, you know, like literally, if you get a good orgasm, the amount of endorphins, which are the internal morphines, the amount of encephalins, which are from the same family, serotonin, dopamine, it's so high that you can't get something like that with going to the gym. So never underestimate the power of an orgasm. And that's why it makes you into a better person. You feel much better. And it's so sad that we don't care about women's orgasm as much as, you know, mm. men's orgasm. Because guess what? If men had to fake orgasm and just, you know, don't come and don't get an erection, there would be a World War III right now. They, you would have been like, you, you wouldn't talk about breast cancer or anything else. That would be the first medication that they made. And that's why penis pumps go many, many years back. You know, when was the first uh, toy sexual device made that looked like a penis how many years ago you think like thousands <laughs> you're close yeah how many thousands three thousand <laughs> you, you're good times ten twenty eight thousand twenty eight thousand years ago oh my god they made toys that looked like penises the big d oh yeah because it's big and nice and it's out and but in 2022, it's the first time we actually have a toy that looks like a clitoris. Why? Because second-class citizens, we didn't care about clitoris. And that's why I wanted to, I have these sweaters that I put the picture of this on the back. I'm like, if you know, you know. And I ask people, I'm like, what is this? Honestly, out of 100 people, 99 people don't do it. Wow. When we did the design, when we did the design, and I, it's so funny, I did the mold designs and everything with my colleague, uh, Dr. Lovey, and we sent it to make the molds and all of those. The companies who were giving us quotes, 
they were referring to this as the bird toy because it looks like a bird to them. You know, they didn't even know it's a bird toy. Somebody else said, I'm like, it's not a bird toy. He's like, oh, I thought it's a wishing bone. So I'm right. And he was fighting with the other people. You see, I told you it's a wishing bone. It's not a bird toy. It's so sad. Now put a penis out there. How many people are not going to know what mm. that is? You know, even a five-year-old kid knows. That is the mm. problem. But it, I'm, I'm so glad and so thankful that there are people out there like you guys, you ladies. And that's why I... I take away from my time for surgeries, clinic, anything. Whenever there's a podcast about something like this, I want to make sure I make the time because we need to put the word out there. It's very important because if women are happy, come on, we all came out of a woman. Mm. And we, all men are working all their life to go back inside a woman. So if women are happy, to, I mean, the world is going to be a better place. And one part of happiness, it's physical happiness. And this is not just physical. Good orgasms give you a very good mental status and very good, you know, a state of psychological happiness. It's really a treatment to so many things. If you look into researches for orgasms, you have a headache. Guess what? Masturbate or have sex, have an orgasm. 90% chance the headache is going to go mm. away. I think really orgasms are treatment to so many things. And regularly, you know, if you give this to yourself, it's very good for your body and mind. And that's why we are in this field. And why do you think women aren't having so many orgasms? Like what are the main issues that are preventing women from having as many orgasms as men? Well, one thing is... Uh, women are more reserved. You are not as outspoken the society has taught you. Our mothers have taught our sisters and women to be more kind of closed off. Why? Because you don't share. If you don't get an orgasm, you may feel bad and you may you know, not even say to your partner that you don't even tell your partner, you know, this position I like, this position I don't like. But you have to start talking about that. You know, what's the name of this area in anatomy? In Latin, they call it pudendal area. You know, what's the meaning of pudendum? Pudenda, it comes from the, it is basically the area to be ashamed of. Oh, wow. That's why, that's why in Adam and Eve, Eve used to cover it with right. a leaf. You know, so that's the reality is the area to be ashamed of. But what, where is the shame about this area? It's actually, I think the male part should be more shameful because it's like hanging out and it looks like, I don't know, the elephant's trunk. <laughs> this area actually looks good. It doesn't, you know, yes, it is sexual, it's sensual, but there's nothing to be ashamed mm -hmm. of. Uh, so that that is one reason, you know. And women don't talk too much about their problems. Guess what? I do, I do two two things. My focus of practice is one cosmetic gynecology, which I do a lot of it. I do a lot of labioplasties, treating botched labioplasties, all of those. But the other part of my practice is endometriosis, pelvic pain. And I tell you, so many women come to me, and when I find out they have endo. Oh, why didn't you tell your doctor? Why didn't you tell anyone? Like, well, I was talking to my friends. I was telling to my mother. I was talking to my sister. They said, that's normal. Everybody gets cramps. And it is not normal. Mm -hmm. Women are not into speaking up about something that's happening. Because, oh, you know, it's normal. It's your period, you know. I'm giving birth to a baby. Of course I'm going to have pain. Until somebody says, you know what? It's not right to have pain. These many years, it's not right. So let's give them epidurals, you know? And at some point that has started. So if it's about pain, they finally spoke up. But I think this is the time to speak up about orgasms because, you know, as much as this is good for men, it's good for women. And actually an orgasm of a woman is much, much stronger than an orgasm of a man. So I think they should, I mean, Everybody deserves one and more than one. So mm. you have to talk about it. And you got to figure out why you're not getting them if you don't get them. Mm. 
So do you think it's more about like the social aspect? Like, what do you think? Because I feel like there's a lot of misinformation about just female anatomy in general and and that's playing a part so like could we talk a little bit about some of that misinformation and like genuinely the physical side of things and like there's a lot of misconceptions I feel that are stopping women from experiencing pleasure that is true and that's of course that's lack of education and that's because this hasn't been out Mm. there as I said so clitoris is the most like literally sacred organ that we have and it it's the only organ that has one, basically, uh, duty. And the only duty is pleasure. Mm. So, you know, because you look at the penis, yes, you pee with your penis as well. So urination, you know, is a part of that too. But this is just for pleasure. And we need to learn really what's happening with biomechanics of sex, what's happening with physiology of sex. And if women know that, then they start enjoying it more. For women, it is easier because if you didn't know the anatomy, even you would start touching yourself, you would see what would be more, you know, uh, basically stimulating. You would kind of figure out which parts are better, which parts are not. But I inject people with different things, let's say exosomes, sometimes stem cells, PRP and all of those. And then we find some areas in the vagina, which is, I call it the G-zone, which is in the anterior, I don't want to call it G-spot, anterior wall of the vagina. And I'm like, oh, so how is this sensation in this area? And they're like, wow, I didn't even know something like that exists. Mm-hmm. You know, so you start injecting those and, and you don't even need to get them injected. You just need to find them. You need to fix the angle. So one of the things that I talk to people a lot about is that it is all about the angle. And I want to explain that because if you get one thing out of this, you will know how to get a good orgasm. So this is, this is a pelvis, right? So here is your vagina. So normally when you enter, so uh, this is the back, this is the front, right? So this is somebody who is laying in front of you, legs are open, right? And you're looking at the vagina. So what happens normally the angle of the vagina when you enter is a downward angle. So it goes down. So okay. let's look on this to have more perspective. So this is the front, again, same angle. I'm going to turn it sideways. Mm-hmm. So if I'm entering the vagina and the vagina has normal anatomy, it's like this. It goes downwards. Okay. Why does it go downwards? Because the front wall of the vagina is the most sensitive wall of the vagina. And what's the reason for that? Because you have the clitoris. So imagine, this is the clitoris. I mean, the rest of it is under the skin. Mm -hmm. You don't see it. But this is, you see the tip of the clitoris. Because the clitoris is sitting on the front wall of the vagina. So when you have this angle that's going downwards, you really want to push up with the penis to stimulate the front wall of the vagina. So what does this mean? This is your downward angle. The penis is entering, or anything, any toy entering, it stimulates the front wall of the vagina because vagina is going down. And that's why a lot of penises are physiologically tilted up to. So you're stimulating the front wall of the vagina. Now what happens when we age and we have kids, slowly this angle becomes flat. Okay, just like my face, I start losing fat here, losing collagen. It used to be like this. Now it's like this, you know. You guys are young, so you don't even know about that. <laughs> but <laughs> you are still like the plum. I'm the prune. So that's what I tell people. We all start like a plum. We end up becoming like a prune. So same thing happens to the vagina. The angle used to be like this. Now you lost all the tissue underneath. Now it's becoming flat. Now when you have intercourse... You're not having any friction or stimulation to the anterior wall, right? And that is the problem. The older we get, the more kids we have, all of those, the angle becomes flat. So a lot of people start being, oh, you know, I don't enjoy sex as much as I used to enjoy it. And then, let's say there are procedures you can do. There are so many things. I'm like, listen, it's all about the angle. Fix your angle. We did a research to see which 
sexual position is the most satisfying for women. You know, and how did we do that? We used ultrasound. There is a protocol I created with my colleague, Dr. Lovey, on clitoral ultrasound. We call it clitogram, you know, like mammogram, but this is clitogram mm -hmm. for clitoris. So with clitogram, we look at the clitoris and we can study to see when it gets engorged, just like a penis when it gets hard. The penis, you can look at it and you see when it's big, when it's small. But for clitoris, you look with ultrasound and you see when it's like very juicy and filled with blood and basically is erected. So we did that protocol to see which sexual device works, which gel works, and what happens with intercourse, what position is the best for women. And guess what we found out? The best position for women that they get the most amount of stimulation in the clitoris is going to be, let's do a trivia, what do you think? I think it's girl on top, like cowgirl. Okay. I see you like cowgirl. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Doggy? Okay. So, wow. Very awesome. <laughs> I don't know. So, I, I tell you one thing. So doggy is the best for men. They, they love doggy because, of course, they, you know, they see the whole view and everything. For men, it's really, and we are all animals in our brains. So, it's, uh, that's why doggy, a lot of people love it. But uh, in reality, actually, doggy gives you the less least amount of stimulation in the clitoris and the least amount of engorgement in the clitoris. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody's the same, but that's about the doggy. About the reverse cowgirl, what you said, it's a, it's a good position because you are in charge. So you can really, whenever a woman is on top, you can change the angle. And as I said, it's all about the angle. So mm -hmm. you can change the angle to make sure you get that friction. But let's say effortlessly, we did all of these. And the most amount of stimulation in the clitoris was actually missionary. You know, women's legs are up, the angle oh, is yeah, downwards, you're stimulating right. here very nicely. And guess what? We found another position that you even get more stimulation in the clitoris. And clitoris becomes the whole thing, it becomes red and blue. It's just so juicy in that position mm. and so engorged. And that was again missionary, but with the pillow under buttocks yeah why <laughs> because the that. angle was this now you put a pillow now you push the angle and you make it even like this so even if the guy is blind and he's the size of pinky when he goes in he's hitting that g-zone all the time so that is that was i mean at, at least in our study we did clitogram before during and after and forget about it missionary with a uh, pillow under the buttocks, the clitoris was huge. The size that you would see, the engorgement, everything. So. Mm, I see that. Interesting. Like, why, why is this? I don't understand why this isn't taught in, like, sex education. Do you think? Well, you know, we got to start doing it somewhere. I, it, because no, nobody knew about it. We didn't even know about it. Mm -hmm. Look, it's... It's biomechanics, uh, biomechanics of uh, intercourse, basically. And biomechanics of intercourse was never studied. Biomechanics, people study it in like sports medicine. You know, they do it for, let's say, you know, knee injuries. They do it, they say, oh, you know, when you are walking, your back pain, this, that, these are all biomechanics. The mechanics of living and walking and all of those. And those are the big ones because you want to put like a, joint like uh, whatever uh, artificial joint for somebody you want to know how it's going to react but with sex people think they know everything first of all it's an area that's closed nobody talks about it too much but now we want it this is the deal we want to bring science back to the bedroom and funny enough the, the reason i was in sheffield is that i was studying biomechanics back then you know the biomechanics that we did it was all on footballers you know uh, in, I mean, you, if you have U.S. Uh, listeners, I meant soccer players. But when I came here and I said footballers, people laughed. They're like, you don't have football <laughs> in England. I'm like, yes, we do have football in England. But uh, so it was on footballers. And that was the most important area to do biomechanics. I'm like, well, why don't we talk about different forces and different angles in intercourse? Mm. Because it's very important. Mm. And 
obviously this is something that's kind of like understood in the medical industry or at least increasingly so hopefully how can we get that information across to like the wider population because as you're saying people don't always talk about it and like if women aren't talking about it then how can we kind of spread this knowledge like what do you think the best way is to do that i just think look it's it's growing up is already starting to spread and things that you guys are doing things that i'm doing because it's actually not that known even in medical community the problem is that uh, you know medical system medical school is a very for lack of a better word very corrupt system i tell you why the things that they don't want to teach you in medical school, first, they don't teach you about prevention. Let's come out of sex completely. They don't tell you, oh, you know what, if you eat like this, if you, let's say, take your herbs, if you take your vitamins, if you exercise, none of these things. It's all about treatment because treatment is what's making money for pharmaceuticals. You know, that's what we care about. So that's fine. You have diabetes. I know the pill for it. You have high blood pressure. I got the pill for it. Guess what? You could have taught me something so I could have prevented that. That's number one. They don't teach you that part. And I feel like intercourse and sex, it's something that they don't need to teach anybody, you know, to learn about it. First of all, it was never taught to us in medical school. So not too many people are studying these kind of things because of the taboo around it and everything. So don't wait for doctors to do this. I'm probably one in a million who is crazy enough to do something like this. And uh, you've got to do it yourself. And what you guys are doing, you ladies are just talking about it, you know, coming out, like putting your time to, uh, you know, talk about sexuality, orgasms. That is really important because your voice is much stronger than, you know, the medical community. Thank you so much for bringing me here. And I can talk about this, but at the end of the day, it's about people like you talking out there and every listener out there needs to sit down and talk to their friends. Oh, do you know about this? Do you know about that? And we just need to increase the knowledge around this because there are so many. Look, we have this concept that we are working on right now. And I think a lot of women that don't get orgasms, it may be an erectile dysfunction in the clitoris. So we actually studying with this clitogram on erectile dysfunction on women. If somebody told me about that 10 years ago, 20 years ago when I was in medical school, I'm like, these people are crazy. Mm. But right now I'm doing that to study myself. And a lot of people have scared me. Look, I did the first designer vagina fashion show in New York City. That was in 2017. It got a lot of heat, but it got a lot of press. And I started seeing like basketball wives, housewives, actresses, they all flooded to the office after that. But the biggest reason I did that designer Regina fashion show, people say, oh my God, this is perverted. This is this, this is that. It wasn't about people being naked there. It was about taking the taboo away from the subject. It was about women coming there. And talking about, look, after I did this, now I feel so comfortable. I can have the lights on. I can have him go down on me. And I actually enjoy my orgasms. I think that's something that we need to give the podium to women, to everyone to start talking about. And honestly, I think it's already started. I think the past four or five years, we've gone a very long way that we haven't gone in the past hundred years. Mm. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about pain in women's like genitals like clitoral and vaginal pain and just like lower pelvic pain and like how that's spoken about how regular people go to their doctors about it and then also how doctors kind of like inform their patients about how to deal with it how that impacts their sexuality if that impacts like clitoral engorgement yeah right so look there are i mean and there are so many reasons for that that can happen. But the most important thing, you basically hit the nail on the head. You have to, as a woman, if you have this problem, you have to go to a physician and you have to talk about it. Whatever kind of pain there is. Because a lot of times patients say, oh, you know what, it's normal or they're ashamed to talk about it. So that's very important. 
And number two, a lot of times your GP, because I know you guys have GPs there, or your doctor, your specialist may just brush it away, brush it off and be like, eh, it's nothing, it's normal, don't worry, let me give you some like lotion, this, that. No, don't, do not take no for an answer because there is no pain that is normal out there. That is very important. So if the first person says it's normal, go to the second person, get second, third, fourth opinion. So there are different reasons for having pain. Of course, pelvic pain, one of my biggest passions, of course, is endometriosis, but that's more internal pain. Uh, but it can also cause like pain with deep penetration. So a lot of times people don't want to have sex and they have endometriosis because they're like, well, then I have intercourse, I have pain. Same thing with any other area in the vagina or clitoris. If you have pain, of course, you tend to want to have less intercourse rather than wanting to fix it. Now, the problem with having less intercourse is that then you don't want to have sex anymore because you're like every time you're connecting that to, you know, having pain. So it becomes like, like a car that you left it in garage and you were trying to whatever, uh, go out with it once and you saw one of the tires is out. Instead of fixing the tire, you just oh, just leave it in the garage, leave it in the garage, leave it in the garage. So it's going to be the two tires, three tires, all four tires. After a while, this is just going to be this antique car that you're keeping it in the garage. So that's not the way you should have to deal with your vagina. Actually, even if there is pain, you've got to use lubrication, you've got to do things, you've got to try to have sex. Now, there are sometimes that things become very difficult, you know, because you may have irritation. Again, your doctor can tell you sometimes irritation could be due to an infection. So you got to find out what infection it is. The pH of vagina is very important. You don't want it to be too acidy or too alkaline. You want it to be on the acidy side where it's supposed to be. So I tell people don't use soaps around your vagina because it kills, you know, the bacteria end up getting yeast infection. And so it is very important to be mindful of what, how you are dealing basically with your vulva, your vagina, and all of those. And there are, I can come up with like 20 different things that would cause the pain. So every patient really needs to be seen to see, is it just a simple irritation? Or God forbid, as bad as is there like a tumor or something there, is there, which is very rare, by the way. I don't want anybody to listen to that this and be like, oh, I have pain, I have a tumor. No, I, probably in my whole practice, I saw it like twice or three times. So, but there are so many different reasons that you can have because it is, remember, the nerves that are coming to uh, the area, to the clitoral area and uh, your entire pelvic area, they start innervating all the way from your cervix down and all of those other areas as well. So you may feel a pain, you know, in your vagina that's not really from your vagina. At the bottom of your uterus, you may feel a pain that's really in the vagina. So you need to see the specialist. They need to figure out really, but get to the bottom of it. Don't leave it alone. Mm -hmm. And what about like numbness and that kind of thing? Like how will that be dealt with? And like, how can we talk about that better? So numbness happens because sometimes it is iatrogenic, meaning that the doctor caused it. Uh, that I deal a lot with, with people who have like botched labioplasties. And now they have like numbness because they cut a nerve or something and we try to help them. So that's one thing. Uh, that's why you have to really study who you are going to do these surgeries with if you want to do it. And again, before going to the second version is that Nobody really needs a labioplasty or cosmetic surgery down there. I want to put this out there. Everybody's vagina vulva looks nice. It's like some people have big nose, some people have big boobs, a smaller breasts, mm -hmm. larger breasts, all of those. It could all be, it is normal for your body. Cosmetic surgery is about wanting. So it's about, if you want it, it's a different story. Sure, you can do whatever you want to do with your body, but make sure you do it in the right place with the right specialist, because you don't want to end up becoming botched and then things are going to become so much more difficult to fix. So that's one reason you can get numbing there. The other reason that you can get 
you know, some numbing there could be again irritation, could be like some people say, Oh, I've always been numb. And I would tell them probably, you know, it's really not being numb is lack of sensation. Because if you want to call it numb, like if you put a needle in there, you don't feel it, of course you would feel it. You know, I mean, so you are numb. Do you mean like if you don't get aroused or stimulated if somebody touches that area? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So remember, orgasms uh, are much, much deeper in women than they are in men. In men, they see something, they see the hole, uh, things get erected, and they can basically literally have sex with anything. In women, 85 to 90% of it happens in the brain. So first thing is that you've got to make sure that connection is there with whatever person or object or video or something that you are you know, getting intimate with. So sometimes people who say, oh, I never had an orgasm, this, this, that, and they are telling me, oh, you know, but I recently met this guy, I just... He doesn't even touch my hand or I met this lady. I just see him and I get these butterflies. I feel like my entire area gets warmed on them. You know, so a lot of it is in the brain too. So that is very important to make sure you have that kind of relationship and you make sure you do like a lot of foreplay, even if that relationship foreplay is good because you start stimulating the clitoris. Listen, if the nerves don't get enough blood supply, they are not going to transmit too much of sensation. So you want to make sure you get it engorged. Uh, don't know what, I mean, if, imagine a guy and the penis is not erected and they are not into it or something has happened, they don't even feel like that. doesn't matter what you do with that penis, they're not... It. So you're trying to do the same thing with the clitoris, but you don't see the engorgement. And you are kind of trying to beat the dead horse. Nothing is going to happen. You've got to make the horse alive first before you get to the next step. And that is why, you know, a lot of these anatomic and physiologic things that we are doing. I don't know if I even have this here or not, but if I do, I'm going to show it to you. Uh, there is a gel that we designed. Uh, enchantment gel, uh, which actually just came out this week. It took me five years, you know, to do the research on it. We gave it to different patients. Uh, my partner, Dr. Kim, actually tested it on herself. We looked with ultrasound. So we want to bring more blood supply to clitoris, and this is what it does. It makes clitoris engorge. And it's a proprietary uh, pro formulation, which is very unique, and we have to go a lot back and forth on it. It makes the clitoris engorged, so the sensations become a lot more. But again, at the same time, you want to have that connection as well. Because there's one thing that if you're using a masturbating yourself, but if you don't have that physical connection, you know, or mental connection with somebody that you're having sex with, doesn't matter what you do, so many times things are going to be numb. You know? Mm. Yeah. So how does seray? Seray, like ceremony, seray. Seray. How does that work to increase female sexual pleasure? So, uh, well, we, we have some, uh, we have different sexual devices, sex toys, which are, we did like a lot of studies on them to make sure different aspects are correct. So let's say for, uh, like this is the mini one that I have. First of all, as you see, a lot of the stuff that we have, they're mostly black. Mm -hmm. The reason they are black is that you see the smallest lint or dirt or even your discharge on it. A lot of women that come to my office, 70% of women come for yeast infection, bacterial vaginosis, all of those. So your toys need to be washed. So I wanted to go black because, you know, you know that things are clean. And look, super flexible. All of those, we use medical-grade silicon. So we try to make a difference. My investors hate this because they're like, oh, you chose, like is you go to a steakhouse and you choose the highest premium like Wagyu beef. I chose that kind of silicon that could be used to, you know, in surgeries even. 
Well, well if I'm putting my name on it, it has to be that kind of silicon. And then, uh, so that's one thing. The black color being non-porous, these are very important. And then anatomically correct, like we have this spellbound stimulator, which is really amazing because it completely bends to the shape of your body. And you can stimulate from outside. You can do the suction on the clitoris, which is kind of like somebody's offering you oral sex. And the other side is all the way inside the vagina, sitting on top of, uh, right underneath your G-zone. So you are stimulating the inner portion and outer portion of the clitoris at the same time. Or, you know, the gel that we have, the enchantment gel, you engorge. I, I recommend to everyone, use it externally on the clitoris or even penis. I mean, I don't mind people using it on a penis. It works really well. But we made this mostly for, you know, women. But you use it on the clitoris and like two, three minutes before you masturbate or you have sex and you bring all that blood supply to clitoris. So that it's going to be a lot, you know, more sensitive. So these are things that we are doing. We, we are coming out for Valentine's Day actually with a very, probably is the most powerful bullet out there because I want people to have, and it's very discreet, have it on the go and use it, uh, but uh, basically our goal is to empower women with good products that actually work and they are physiologically and anatomically correct uh, and uh, basically increase these kind of conversation that we have between us to basically take the taboo away from it. It's all about a woman's right to pleasure. Yeah, it's so important. It sounds great. I want to try it. Yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I wanted to ask, so just to confirm, female pleasure comes from the clitoris. Like, is there any pleasure that can be had from, like, the vagina, essentially? Yes. So that's the thing. You see, the clitoris that we are talking about mm. is this part, just the tip of the clitoris. But really, the vaginal orgasm when you are having it is really from the clitoris, but from the right. internal part of the clitoris that you are not seeing it. So what we used to call vaginal orgasm, I tell people is really, you know, another kind of clitoral orgasm is just the internal part of the clitoris. Mm. Now, there are other orgasms that we are working on. One is cervical orgasm. Some people really like it, you know, with deep penetration, when cervix moves. Most people hate it, but some people, when you get into it, because that kind of gets your vagus nerve, your parasympathetic nerve. So that is uh, basically the vagus nerve, and that's a very deep stimulation. And same thing, same kind of orgasm can happen with deep throat. You know, uh, a lot of women say that, you know, I get, or and men say that I get, you know, when a penis goes like super deep in my throat, it's just the vagus stimulation. I get that deep feeling. It's a completely different kind of orgasm. But I mean, the main one is really clitoral orgasm. Clitoris is a very, very powerful organ. And it's outside and in, and it's almost as big as a penis, you know, especially when it's engorged. Mm -hmm. I think it's quite interesting how, like, big penises are, like, you know, you have to have a big penis. But realistically, like, if it's, if all, the party's at the front, really, so you don't at all. So I just, like, how did that get so blown out of proportion, really? <laughs> Because people see it, you know, I, I tell yeah. you, it's all about the angle. I just, mm -hmm. I, I would, you know, I would stimulate, basically, I would tell people, somebody with a penis size of a pinky, if they use the right angle mm -hmm. and stimulate a lot more than a penis that's, I don't know, size of a huge cucumber. Yeah. So that angle is really important. And knowing the anatomy and everything, of course, listen. What happens with a big penis, even when the angle is flat, you know, if the guy is blind and doesn't know what he's doing, it is going to stimulate, you know, everywhere. It's going to stimulate the front wall anyways. But reality is that you don't really need that large penis to mm. do that because you can stimulate the front wall, even with a small penis, with the right angle. You just have to work a little harder and make sure, mm. you know, you know what you're doing. Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for like all of the information that you've given us. And yeah, I hope this was like yeah. helpful to our listeners and they kind of 
have more of these conversations as he was saying it's so important mm. to talk to as many people about it as possible of course where can people find you find Sarah? sure so uh, for Sarah, it's get Sarah. so g-e-t just get c-e-r-e get mm-hmm. and uh, the best place to find me and even if you have questions you can uh, send me a direct message is uh, my instagram nyc like New York City, NYC Gyno, G-Y-N-O. So NYC Gyno, you're more than welcome to send me a DM. Usually I get back within two, three days. And I reply to all the DMs myself. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, go find Dr. Marashi there. Yeah. Thank you so much again for joining. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Okay, thank you so much to Dr. Amir Marashi for joining yeah, us. In his scrubs and all. Yeah, it was <laughs> so genuinely so, so interesting. I learned a lot about, you know, sex positions, the clitoris, yeah. all of this crazy stuff that we didn't know. Uh-huh, and that is just should just be for everyone to know, really. This is, like, what's gonna, as we talked about, gonna close the pleasure gap and, like, actually increase a lot of pleasure for women. And mm-hmm. that's all we want, really. Yeah, that's literally what <laughs> we want. And to encourage having these conversations. Yeah, so thank you so much for your knowledge, Dr. Marashi. And I hope you guys enjoyed. If you want to hear more from Dr. Marashi, you know where to find him. And if you want to hear more from us, then check sexist podcast on facebook tiktok instagram join our patreon definitely yeah all that extra bonus content Uh uh-huh and you can also find us on our website www.sexistpodcast.com we have like all our episodes on there we also have extra resources we have links to everything you could need and you can also email us sextraspodcast at gmail.com if you have anything to say, if you want to tell us about your experiences. We always want to hear about it. So definitely do that. And we will see you in our next episode. Bye. You've been listening to Sextras, presented by Honey Jane Wyatt and Maria Jose Hayodatiyi. Produced by Mabel Productions. Thanks.